everybody. Good evening, good evening, good evening. Again, I bring you greetings from the Zion Hill Church family. We have been studying the whole Bible. Can you believe it? We start out with the book of Genesis, and then we went to the book of Exodus. Today, we start a new book called the book of Leviticus. You're going to find this very interesting. One thing I love about the Bible, my friend, is that one book connects to the other. And you can see literally how each of these books connects. If you recall, when we start out with the book of Genesis, we told you the story of how God created heaven and earth. You remember that? <laughs> and then we show you how God really did all of that to achieve one thing called fellowship. So God's presence was in the Garden of Eden and he will hang out literally with Adam and Eve. And we show you how Adam and Eve rebelled against God. Eventually, they were kicked out of the garden. And if you're following the story, even though now they are apart from God, God was trying to find a way to reconcile himself back with humanity. He tried to do that, if you remember, through a gentleman by the name Noah. And unfortunately, Noah also failed. Then you see God always trying to find a way to rescue you and me, to rescue the planet Earth. I just want you to see the love of God and his tenacity to win you and me to himself. When Noah failed, he tried again. God always looking for a way to come back to you and I so that we can fellowship. He tried through Abraham. And again, you, you follow the story and things don't quite work out. Then we get into the book of Exodus, how God literally moved the whole of Israel through Joseph into a country called Egypt. And there they were flourishing and all that good thing. Eventually, some bad dude became the pharaoh there and decided to enslave God's people. And they became slaves. We share with you in the book of Exodus how, again, God always trying to find a way to bring his people to himself. You know what he's really looking for from you and me? He wants you and me to enjoy fellowship with him. Do you realize that before men fell, human beings have the presence of God? They will literally hang out with God. And do you realize when you're in the presence of God, no harm can come near you? No sicknesses? can harass you. All these things that we are fighting right now, if we stay in the presence of God, we won't have to deal with any of them. But because we love sin much more than the presence of God, 
we find ourselves dealing with all kinds of sicknesses, all kinds of disease, all kinds of calamities, all kinds of bad weather. Now we're dealing with COVID-19. <laughs> all kinds of crazy stuff. So we find God trying to find a way to get man back to God. He raised up a gentleman by the name Moses. And you will remember in the book of Exodus how God used Moses to deliver God's people. And that's where we got the name Exodus. They exit the nation of Egypt and now they are free and God is trying to get them out, provided a way of escape for them and God is taking them to their promised land. Permit me just to stop here and minister to you. I don't know what kind of bondage you're dealing with. Do you realize that God is desiring to get out of whatever trouble you're in right now? I'm a living witness. Many times I find myself in trouble. Guess what he did? <laughs> Hallelujah. He brought me out. That is why I'm excited to talk about the word of God. Exodus is exit. Exodus means escape. And I pray for you, my brother, my sister, that whatever is holding you down, whatever is oppressing you, whatever Pharaoh is trying to bottleneck your life, I pray that God will give you a way of escape. Open your mouth, shout amen. <laughs> I love the word of God. So now we find the people of God free. They didn't escape Egypt. Now they're traveling to their promised land. And you remember how God gave them a covenant and tried to make a deal with them. They still cannot do right. They are so used to sinful life that they broke the covenant. And now they're too scared to come near God. Every time God showed up, thunder and lightning and roarings, they couldn't handle it. So bad that only Moses could go up the hill to talk to God. So God decided, since people are too sinful to come up the hill to him, he decided to come down to them. Wow, that will preach the day that God came down for you and me. It's amazing. Can you just imagine the creator of heaven and earth left his throne in glory and came down to this ugly planet called earth just because he loved you, he loved me. You're talking about the love of God. You and me, my friend, we are the apple of his eyes. That's what a daddy, a true daddy would do for their children. I remember one time I had to go out and, and get one of my children. I, just, I didn't care what the weather says that day. I didn't care what the rules are. I was going to go get my child. <laughs> the same thing with God up in here. He came down. He instructed Moses to make him a tent. And then he dwelt inside that tent. 
everybody in Israel could see that God is in that building, that tent. You know how they could see? They see smoke, big smoke on top of the building. They could see that smoke for miles and miles. It's called the Shekinah glory of God. That's how the book of Exodus ended. What is so amazed to me is that after Moses built that tent and after God came down and dwelt in the tent, God was so holy and so pure, nobody had the guts to go inside the tent, not even Moses. Well, we, we can theologize and say, well, I thought Moses was going up there to see him. How come he couldn't go in out in the tent to see him? Well, I happen to be a theologian. I have my own theory about it. See, when Moses was going up there to see God, his heart was right. If not, he could not approach God. But when he was coming back to the people, he got upset. You, you remember what he did? He broke, he broke the, the tablet, the, the thing God gave him to deliver to the people, the covenant. He was so upset with those, those Israelites because they were worshiping idols. They, were, they made a golden image before he came back. So he got mad and crashed the dog up. <laughs> I think Moses must be my kinfolk. <laughs> <laughs> That's the kind of thing I would do. Just get upset and just throw everything there and say, I'm out of here. So he he messed up his own record is the point I'm trying to. I'm not surprised that when God came down, Moses could not enter into the tent where the presence of God is located. Now we go enter into the book of Leviticus. The book of Leviticus is dealing with the problem that Israel is now facing. How can a holy God deal with a sinful human being? Now they're all in the same neighborhood, but the two could not connect. They have a tent, like a church there, and they know God is inside that tent. They could see this Shekinah glory, but the, the, the presence of God was so powerful, nobody could enter the, the tent. So the book of Leviticus, which is what we are now studying, is God mapping out a game plan of how these people, with all their sinfulness, how they will be able to connect with God. So the book of Leviticus is the series of game plan, how the two of them, men, the people of this world, and God can connect and relate to one another. Now you got it. Guess what? God prescribed for them Three things that they have to do to be able to connect with him, to be able to approach him, to be able to enjoy his presence. And I believe those three things is applicable for you and me too. In fact, I will submit to you the main reason for the book of Leviticus 
is for you and me to pay attention to those three things that God established to say, look, I'm a pure God. I'm a holy God. If you're going to come near me, this is what it's going to take. Hallelujah. I wish I have time just to talk about those three things. Number one, he's, he set up rituals for them. Rituals that they have to perform before they can approach God. Number two, then he set up the priesthood. Somebody as a middleman to be able to go to God and talk for them. That's where the priesthood, see, in most cultures, I would be called a priest. But really, under New Testament understanding, all of us, there's what we call the priesthood of every believer. But I will explain all that to you. So he set up the priesthood. The third thing he did, he set up something called purity requirement. So he's saying to the people, you want to talk to me? This is what you have to do to get close. Let's look at each of those one by one. Do you remember the first one I told you? <laughs> That's the professor in me. I can't help you. <laughs> the first thing I told you is that God set up rituals. What did I call it? Rituals. In the book of Leviticus, there are five rituals. The first two are rituals that you do just to say, Lord, I thank you. The second set of rituals, which is the last three, is really what you do to say, God, I'm sorry. So in reality, there are two kinds of rituals. One to say, thank you. The other one to say, I'm sorry. I can study and preach all day. Do you realize that if you can act, grab hold of those two principles. In every day of your life, you learn to say to God, thank you. Believe me when I tell you, you will prosper. You will grow. You will move up in life. Most of our generation are very unthankful people. Most of us, you know our problem? Very ungrateful. Have you ever seen little kids, you do things for them, and they just walk up? Sometimes I just want to grab that child and pop, pop. But you know, their mama is around. <laughs> so, but sometimes you just have to teach these kids. But we are like children before God. God wants you and me to be thankful. He set up two rituals. One is called grain offering. So people will give up grain offering. Another one is called fellowship offering. So every time you hear about that in the Bible, in the book of Leviticus, these are standards that God set in place for you and me, for people to say to God, the grain I'm eating today, Lord, thank you. 
the food I'm eating. You see, this morning, I had me some, <laughs> some cocoa oats, you know. My wife just fixed me some cocoa. Oh, wouldn't it be nice before I eat? This is what I did. I said, Lord, thank you. See, right from the book of Leviticus, you don't take God for granted. Whether you had Big Mac this afternoon or whether you had Popeye chicken, don't, hey, don't turn me off. Isn't it good to be able to say, Lord, I thank you. That's what a grain of is. Grain is a type of seed. He set it up for the Israelites. This is what you have to do to approach a holy God. God is so pure and so holy. When, you, when those people try to approach him without doing any of this ritual, God strike them dead. The, the last three rituals is set up. One is called burn offering. Another one is called guilt offering. Another one is called sin offering. Born offering, guilt offering, sin offering. All of those three, you know what it's about? In the book of Leviticus, it's about you saying to God, I am sorry. I don't know about you. All of us have something to be sorry about. Don't just go through life thinking you all that. The truth be told, we all make mistakes. Every now and then we, go, we make the wrong turn. If you want God to envelop you, if you want to enjoy the presence of God, guess what you need to learn to do? You have to learn to make this ritual called, I'm sorry. So five different offerings is what he left them that they have to make in order to be able to approach God. Another thing he did, in addition to that five, he set up something called sacred days. You will find that in the book of Leviticus. Sacred days is like a festival. He set it up for the people of Israel to remember important days. You know in your life, you remember your birthdays, you remember your wedding anniversary, some of you will even remember some other thing, whatever. The same thing. God don't want those people to forget something. Say, for example, the day he chose them, the day he caused them to escape when they were when they were oppressed. This, you remember the day of of Passover. So there are some important days in the life of the Israelite. He wants them to remember that and do it as a ritual every year. Till this day, the people of Israel celebrate certain days. And God is saying, if you guys want to approach a holy God, this is what it's going to take. You have to do this. I'm not just going to let you come before me. If not, you'll be consumed by the wrath of God. Can you remember some days in your life when you experienced the miracle of God? I remember one time one of my children was about to be born and he, she wrapped the cords around her neck and the doctors all panicked. 
They were trying to set her loose and she was choking herself. And everybody was in panic. We had just still away and started to pray. I, I'm not a doctor. I don't know what they're doing. I can see the confusion. I can see the fear. I can see everybody sweating hard. And the power of God just unloose all those cords. Do you think I will ever forget that day in my life? Mm -mm. It doesn't matter what's going on. I will always remember that. There are many days like that in my own life. I'm just giving you an example. One day I woke up and I tried to stand up and one of my legs would not stand. A whole section of my body was paralyzed. I knew I'm in trouble. Called the ambulance in. I couldn't even get up to go and open my own door. So they were ready to break the front door just to get to me. My brain was sending signal to my leg, let's go. But the leg was just dangling because not re receiving the, the signal. The power of God hit me. Are you listening to me? And I was able to walk again. In case you don't know, I walk up. I'm not in some studio. I walk here. Nobody had to carry me. <laughs> you know what, what I'm trying to tell you? There is something about the days of miracles in your life, the days of deliverance in your life, the days that you could have been dead, but God came through for you. Don't forget those days. God set it up for the Israelites. And no, you can't just be going through life as if you're not enjoying the favor of God, as if you're not enjoying the mercy of God, as if the grace of God, you're not enjoying it every day. So God requires those rituals and those sacred days to be observed, to be celebrated, sin offering, guilt offering, born offering, grain offering, fellowship offering. Why is God doing that? Because they could not approach him. He is so holy. Holiness is good. Holiness means being set apart. He is so pure. And being pure is good, So, but at the same time, it's power, raw power. The holiness of God is raw power. If you approach it unholy, if you approach him carelessly, he strike you. So God is trying to set up a system so these people will not be consumed dead. Remember what started all this whole book? God is now in their midst, but they couldn't approach him. That's what sin will do to you and me. It will cut us off from our blessings. Remember I told you three standards he set up. You remember the first thing that God set up for them to be able to approach him? Just trying to see if you're listening. The first thing is rituals. That's what I just explained. The second thing he did, he set up priesthood. In other words, he said, just in case you guys are still consumed with your sin, I don't want to kill all of you. So I'm going to set up somebody. Call a priest. You all call it a preacher or a rabbi. I don't know what you're calling now. 
or some call him pastor, whatever. But a priest back then was like an intermediary, like a middleman. So God is saying, if you are sinful, don't come near God. It will knock out you. <laughs> but then we're going to dedicate somebody that he or she is able to approach God. That's what the priesthood is all about. So the book of Leviticus describe what it would take. Beginning the first I talked to you about rituals, that's chapter one through chapter seven. So beginning from chapter eight, you see this second system is set up called the priesthood. And the first part, the Bible described in the book of Leviticus how a priest is ordained. Those rules have not changed much today. You know, one, one of the things that bothers me is people who call themselves a preacher, but then you look into their life and there's nothing that looks like a child of God. Not just preachers, by the way. If you are involved in any, in any work of the ministry, you are really a priest unto God. Some of you, you're teaching Sunday school. Some of you, you're leading prayer. Some of you, you are singing in the choir. Some of you, you're working in the nursery. Every one of you who try to do something for God, you are priest unto God. But in the book of Leviticus, he set up the process of becoming a priest. And then he set up the standard that you have to maintain to be a priest. Keep in mind, you're not just an officer. You are the person who goes before God on behalf of everybody else. So ordinarily, the standard will be set high for you. It shouldn't take a rocket scientist to, to understand that. That is why preachers in the community cannot be living any kind of way. Are you listening? Hey, don't tell me up. Are you, are you feeling me? That is why you cannot be singing in the choir on Sunday and then on Monday you are at the nightclub. Are you listening to me? You are priests unto God. That's why you cannot be playing banjo or guitar on Sunday singing glory, glory, hallelujah. <laughs> and then the rest of the week you are at the nightclub. Playing the same instrument, singing to the devil. You can't come to church. You see, some of you probably say, oh, thank you, Jesus. Pastor, I ain't singing to nobody. I'm not a, in the choir. I'm not a preacher. I'm not a deacon. I'm not a deaconess. Thank God you ain't talking about me this time. Hallelujah. But guess what? If you, you can come to church and shout and shake your booty, and then during the week, you're acting like the devil. You're not a priest unto God. To be on a priest unto God, there are high standards. In fact, the standard is so high, ladies and gentlemen, that if those priests go inside the temple, 
and they're not right, God will strike them dead. In fact, many times, in order for any priest to go inside the temple, they will, they will, they will, they will time with a bunch of bells so that when it's moving inside the tent, they can hear those bells. <laughs> when they no longer hear the bells, they know God has stricken him dead. And they have a chain that they also tied to his leg and they just pull him out. They were smart enough not to go inside that tent to go, <laughs> to go get Brother Baba. They would drag his behind out. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to tell you? Do your best to live right. God wants you to be a priest. Those of you who are mothers, listen to me. God wants you to be a priest for your children. Those of you who are dads, God wants you to be a priest in your own house. To the point that when you declare and pronounce a blessing upon everyone in your house, whatever comes out of your mouth will come to pass. I am a living witness. There is no greater call for any man or woman than to be a priest in his own house. I don't have much to offer my children. I'm not going to tell you. But you know one thing I do for them? Take a guess. I'm a provider. I'm a protector. But you know something else I am? A priest for every one of them. I want them to be able to look at me and see, okay, this is the standard. So to be a priest, the book of Leviticus, spell it out. There are some places you can go. <laughs> there are some things you cannot do. There are some things you cannot say. I mean, the standard was so high. That is why, because the rest of the crowd of Israel, they were acting crazy, so God set up somebody, a priest. The first set of priesthood that was ordained back then. Oh, you, you, you know I'm enjoying it. It's, I just love the Bible. They were called the children of Israel. But really, they were children of Aaron, who, of course, is among the Israelites. Two of them entered the tent and they were not right. Guess what happens to them? They were stricken dead. I don't mean to scare you. And I sure don't pray that God will strike you dead. But I do want to remind you, God wants you to be a priest in your own house. God wants you to be a priest in the community. God wants you to be a channel of blessing to your generation. And then you have to raise the bar for yourself. There are things others can do, but you cannot do it. Why? Because you are a priest unto God. You feeling me? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Can you imagine what a wonderful community this will be? If everyone who professed to be a preacher 
Everyone who professed to be an evangelist, a prophet, an apostle, everyone wearing a, a special uniform with a big Bible and a big golden chain <laughs> and all the bling bling. <laughs> Can you imagine if every one of us would live like a priest and walk like a priest and talk like a priest? Guess what will happen? Then we can approach God. Hallelujah. That's all God has been looking for. He wants to sup with you. He wants to fellowship with you. But he's a holy God. The holiness of God is like you're looking like the sunlight. The sun has some pure fire, pure raw power that anything funny cannot come near you. And God is just giving you and me a way, an avenue that we can approach him without being consumed. If you don't hear anything else from this book, I hope that you will grab hold of that. That you are called to be a priest. And that you have a high standard to live up to. As a mother, as a father, as a citizen, you can't say because everybody is doing it, so you. Ladies and gentlemen, I told you there are three things, three, three avenues that God set up for people to be able to approach him. You remember the first one? <laughs> Rituals. You remember, remember the second one? Priesthood. And the third thing, that he set up for people to be able to approach him, as spelled out in the book of Leviticus, is called purity. God is trying to say to these people, I want you to come near me. I want to bless you. I want to do miracles. I want to heal your body. I want to do great and mighty things in your household. But I require purity. If you're not pure in your heart, you would not survive coming near God. Think about it. When we talk about purity, that means there is purity and there is impurity. Some Bible translation use the word there is cleanliness and there is uncleanliness. For God to try to explain to the people of Israel, it's just amazing to me. The Bible is very profound. You know what God did? God began to set, set these people to understand. It's, he, he began to tell them animals that are pure, animals that are not pure. If you go to Israel today, an African Jewish person, they will tell you, this kind of animal is no good. That one is no good. That was not unclean. That was... They still believe all that. <laughs> you know why? It's really not the animals. God is trying to tell these people, trying to get it in their head. That you have to be pure to be able to approach God. He used animals that are walking on the ground. He used animals that are in the air. He used animals that are in the water. And he went through a list of them and said, look, this one is pure. This one is not pure. Don't deal with the one that's not pure. Only deal with the one, eat the one that are pure. He even used their human body. 
This you cannot put in your body. That one you can. I mean, this is okay. This is not. It just amazes me how God infested the time. Try to try to get these people to, to get it. No, I want you to come near, but you've got to do this thing. You know one thing that troubles my soul? If you read the book of Leviticus, just about everything that God said to the Israelites, don't do. That's what we are doing right now. Can I be brutally honest with you? You don't mind if I keep it 100? I wasn't surprised that COVID-19 came. Hey, don't hate on me. I told you, I just want to be real. With all the craziness that's going on, with the way we are handling ourselves before God, with our attitude of, I don't care, I don't need God, I don't need to go to church, I don't have to pray, I got me a ride, I got me a nya, 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 nya. Ah, It wasn't surprising. The book of Leviticus spell out from God's standpoint, this is pure, this is not pure, this is right, this is wrong, don't, don't fool with this kind of animal, don't, don't mess with this one. Don't put this in your body. Don't let this defy your skin. I mean, he, he just laid out so much that you almost have to be a real crook to miss the heart of God. You know, something else I love about the Bible, not only did he give them the option about rituals, not only did he give them the option of priests, as intermediary, not only did he give them clear understanding of what is pure, what is not pure, then he talked to them about their own moral, morality. He talks to them about how to relate to other people, how they, they should love justice, how they, they should promote relationship. When he talks about justice in the book of Leviticus, he talks about helping those who are in need. He talks about helping those who are poor. He talks about sharing. I mean, it's just a beautiful, beautiful book about social justice. He talks about how we relate to one another, husband and wife, mothers and children, fathers and sons and daughters. He just laid it all out. And guess what else he did? Talking about their morality. He talks about even sex, sexual subject. I'm telling you, the book is awesome. <laughs> he begins to spell out. Say, look, you don't sleep with your own daughter. How, where does this, this come from? A man sleeping with another man? I mean, what the... Why, where does this come from? A man with so many girlfriends and concubines? And he just laid out a woman sleeping with another woman. He spelled it out in the book of Leviticus. All this craziness about shacking up. And some of you want to shack up with somebody who's just as broke as you. <laughs> I tell you, I love the Bible. You know why God is doing all of this? Just to help us. But you know what is so sad? Everything 
that you will find in that book that God said, don't do this, don't touch this. This is unclean, this is not pure. This is right, this is wrong. It's like the book don't even exist in the Bible. When was the last time you go to a church and somebody is preaching to you from the book of Leviticus? Just let that soak in. They'll talk about you. They'll tell you about uh, how you can make a million dollars, how God can pick you up, how God can do this and do that. But they never push for holiness. They never push for righteousness. That's what sets the book of Leviticus apart. It was primarily about the holiness of God and the, the, the impossibility of men in their sinfulness to be able to connect with God because every time they try to approach God with all their mess, he whacked them. And now, so the book is just directives of how a holy God and a sinful man can coexist. So he set up those rituals that you have to do to be able to approach God. Then he set up a priest, priesthood. And it's not just a pastor. You can be a priest. I can be a priest. All of us are called to be a priest. And then he set up rules about purity and impurity, cleanliness and uncleanliness, all because he wants us to be able to approach God. Let me share one more thing from that book that really comes to the conclusion of the book. The book talks about one thing called atonement. When you begin from chapter 23, you begin to read about this thing called atonement. atonement. What is atonement? Again, God is trying to set up a system that these people will be able to approach God. So what he did, you know he already set up the priesthood. Now, so once in a year, the priest would take two goats. Can you handle this? <laughs> I told you the Bible is fun. So the priest will kill one of those goats and pour the blood of that goat on the altar. Then the second goat, the priest will just lay hand on that goat and confess all the wrong that the people have done all years. And they will let that goat go free. I'm sure you're thinking, as man, that's all crazy. Well, let me break it down so that you see God is just trying to use natural things to help you human beings like me to understand his nature. Let me explain to you why they are, they're doing stuff like that. The first thing you need to be aware is that Israel is located in the Middle East, close to Africa and all those kingdoms there. Guess what? Their understanding, all of them, is that when you messed up, when you screw up, the way you can get by with God is to make some kind of sacrifice. So every religion in the neighborhood do. Muslim, pagans, I mean, they're all doing it. So the Jewish people, they were 
caught in that same culture. But what God is trying to show them, the difference between the Jewish God and all these other God is that even after the people make all this sacrifice, their God get upset with them and send thunder and send lightning, destroy a whole nation, a whole community. God is trying to let the people of Israel know their God is much better God. Their God, yes, he gets hungry. Yes, he punish, but he's a loving God. More than anything, he truly care for his people. And another thing is that the gods of all those other nations is very unpredictable. It's like you don't know when he's going to strike. You don't know when he's happy. You don't know when he's sad. So God set up all these rules so that the people of Israel would know exactly what to do to be right with God and they, so they can tell when God is angry with them, they can tell when God is not angry with them. So he set up this rule. They don't have to guess. They don't have to speculate about their God. Hallelujah. I love that. You cannot go wrong when you know the rule of the game. So he set it up. So when you see me talking about the rituals, when you see me talking about the priesthood, when you see me talking about the purity rules, that's all God is trying to do. So that the people know, okay, if I don't want my head to be knocked out, this is what I have to do. These are the offerings I have to make. If I don't want myself to be knocked out, I don't want to be consumed by the fire of God, okay, this is the kind of life I have to maintain. So another one that is set up is this thing called the atonement. When that priest take that first goat and, and kill them and take all the blood and spray it on the altar, what God is telling them that all the sins that the people of Israel has committed, that goat, his blood, the blood of that goat will atone for the sin of Israel. So once you know what to do, all you need to do is do it. And their God is different from all these other gods out there that is unpredictable. You don't know how to please them. You don't know where, when it's going to strike you then and all that. So God made it very clear. Once a year, come before me and don't come with your ugly self. Come through your priest and make sure your priest is right. Don't send no joker to come into the tent of the tabernacle. You know he's going to be killed too. And when that priest show up, then let him bring the blood of a goat. It was in the book of Leviticus that you will hear such thing as there is life in the blood. You will see the Bible talks about life and death is in the blood. And it's so true. If you don't believe me, if you really want to kill people quickly, you hit them with something and let their brain, let their blood drown out. Instantly they will die. It don't matter whether they have a good brain 
or they have nice muscles, or they have nice kidney, or a good pumping heart, they won't last. Life is in that blood. You see how deep God really <laughs> So he said, look, you kill this goat, and God don't need your meat. God don't need your ugly <laughs> food. But that blood, when you pour it on the altar, and that's a foreshadow of what Jesus would do for all of us in the New Testament. You see, I'll tell you how one book actually connects. Did you see how Genesis connect to Exodus and how Exodus connect with Leviticus? So when that priest poured the blood on the altar of sacrifice, guess what? The people believe that all the sins they've committed all year it's been wiped away. Atonement. Wow. What about the other goat? They call that goat the scapegoat. Remember I told you how the priest would put his hand on that goat and would be confessing everything he knows that Israel have done. Uh, how, how they cursed, how they lied, Whatever he thinks he do that he can remember, he's been keeping record all year, you know. How they mis misbehave, how they cheated on one another, how they mistreat their own children, their own wife, how they were mean and hateful, how they were racist. I mean, he put his hand on that goat and say everything he can remember. And then after he's done, they will let that goat escape. Why they do that? Because they believe that gold, even though it's escaped, but he's carrying all those sins that the priest, <laughs> the priest, I, I wish I was there back then. Man, I tell you all. <laughs> I talk about the sin of black folks, the sin of white folks. Don't leave out my Spanish brothers and sisters. <laughs> I tell, I tell everything. I probably be talking on that. Scapegoat, 24 hours, just running my mouth. What they did, what we did, what we didn't do, how we acted ugly to one another, how we player haters, how we mean to one another, how we just go on and on and on. Then I say, you can go now. <laughs> you know what is so good about this book? In all seriousness. And this prepares us for the next book. The whole book of Leviticus is God trying to set up standards and rule so that sinful man like you and me can be able to approach a holy and righteous God. This book is about holiness. Are you listening to me? This book is about righteousness. This book is about godliness. If we take a book like this to, to heart, most of our jail will be empty. All the report about the high rising, the first rate, will be, will be gone. If we take the rules of God to heart, all this racism and ugliness People be mean and evil, saying ugly things, 
about people they love and care about, saying ugly things on the Facebook and social media, just all kinds of craziness. People sleeping with their own dog and cats. Hey, don't turn me up. He's just so, he's just so messed up. We need to get right with God. If we want all this crisis we're going through to be gone like that, we just need to return back to God. We need to stop game. Stop playing game. Take God serious. Recognize without God we can do nothing. We need him more than he needs us. Recognize his is very close. He wants to sub with us. He wants to dine with us. But he's too holy. He's too righteous. He's not going to allow any kind of mess. It is us that we need to get right. Let me say this in closing. The Bible says, God is talking now. He said, draw near unto me. And guess what he said? He will draw near to you. Now, it's up to you, my friend, if you want God in your life. It's up to you, my friend, if you want God in your marriage. It's up to you, my friend, if you want God in your family. It's up to you, my friend, brother, preacher, if you really want God in your church. If you just want to be having religion, singing kumbaya, and nobody has been impacted, no lives has been changed, the church is not growing and you're just going around and around in circle. If that's what you want, I mean, it's up to you. But, but I want to encourage you today, all of us, me, you, every one of us, we need to draw near to God. Thank you for listening. May God bless you. Until we meet again. If you need prayer, if the word of God has touched you, you, you listen, you say, man, this is profound. Now I'm getting it. I'm seeing where the, the Bible is coming from. There's a number underneath this Bible study that you can call. Guess what? There are preachers who have been trained waiting to pray for you and pray with you. I don't know about you. I need prayer. Maybe something is going on in your life. And you want somebody to agree with you. Dial that number. They're not going to ask you for one dime. They don't want anything from you. Other than to love on you and to pray with you. This is our way of saying we truly care. We want you to know the word of God. And we want you to be a part of what God is doing. Call that number. And these ministers will pray for you. Thank you for listening today. Thank you for watching. And I hope to see you next week again when we will go to the next book of the Bible, the book of Numbers. God bless you, my friend.